Hi there, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 201. And today I want to discuss the question, do unschoolers drift aimlessly through each day? I've also got a story to share with you about wasting time. And if there is time, I would also like to share a Thomas story with you today. Yes, you might know that Thomas is my son who died when he was one day old. And I've written a number of stories about him. And because his birthday is coming up and his uh, anniversary day, the anniversary of his death, I thought that I would tell a story to mark the occasion. This episode will be published the week of Thomas's birthday, which is still two weeks away. I am getting organized. I am recording podcasts ahead of time. Instead of recording them either on the day or a few days late or not recording an episode at all, I am getting ahead of myself. And maybe that's appropriate for today's uh, topic. Because even though it is nice to have the freedom to do whatever we like and maybe do nothing at all, that doesn't feel very satisfying sometimes, does it? There are things that we should and want to accomplish. And sometimes we need to organize organize ourselves a bit better. Maybe we even need to do a bit of planning. Here's that terrible word, planning. Are we allowed to use that word? Can unschoolers do a little bit of planning? Well, I have um, some thoughts on that and, and a story. So perhaps I'll get into the first story and then make some comments. So this story is called, Do Unschoolers Drift Aimlessly Through Each Day? Years ago, when I was researching homeschooling methods, I thought unschooling sounded good because we'd be free to do whatever we liked. And if we didn't want to do anything, that would be okay. There would be no rules, no control, no expectations, no pressure to do anything in particular. But then one day, I wondered whether unschooling is another word for wasting time. Shouldn't we make the most of each day? Aren't we obliged to think carefully about how we spend our limited time? Despite my desire not to drift through each day in an aimless fashion, achieving not much at all, I didn't like the idea of living a controlled life where we had to follow a strict plan that accounted for every minute of the day. I'm sure my kids didn't want to live that way either. So I wondered, was there a third alternative? 
Could we live intentionally but still retain our freedom? Was it possible for each of us to organize our days so we could do the things that interest us, rest when we need to, go on adventures, relax and enjoy each other's company, take advantage of unexpected opportunities on the spur of the moment, and do all the other things that were important to us? Was there a way to do this that didn't involve a complicated plan that we might feel obliged to follow? Could we each learn to take responsibility for our own time and not waste it? I discovered that yes, it's possible to do this. I also discovered that this is what unschooling is all about. Contrary to my initial belief, unschooling isn't about using our freedom to drift aimlessly through our days. It's about learning how to direct our lives instead of letting them direct us. When we live in this way, we gain true freedom. Yes, learning how to direct our lives instead of letting them direct us. Yes, when we don't achieve all the things that we would like to do, when we don't actually get around to doing the things that are important to us, we don't really have freedom. No, because, yes, we're letting life take over. We're just drifting, letting life direct us instead of taking control and directing our own lives. Now, I expanded those thoughts in another story. I've always wondered about the connection between freedom and not wasting time. We have a limited number of hours, so we should make the most of them, shouldn't we? But we don't want to live on a tight schedule, slotting activities into every minute of our days ahead of time. We need to be free to make our own choices about the things we do and when we do them. But what if we end up drifting through our days without purpose? What if we let ourselves get distracted away from what we want to do by such things as social media? We might think we're choosing how to spend our time, but is this true? Perhaps we're being controlled by whatever comes along. We're not living free lives after all because we're not directing our lives so that we achieve the things that mean the most to us. Every so often I think how wonderful it is that I'm free to get up each morning and do whatever I like. I might greet the day as it appears, not making plans, open to whatever comes along, And sometimes this approach works out perfectly because we need to slow down and appreciate the things around us and take advantage of the learning that presents itself to us at each moment. But if I live every day like this, I begin to feel dissatisfied because I never make progress on such things as my writing. I realize that I can't let life control me. I have to take charge of it. So I've been making a few loose plans, blocking out time for writing, exercise, and for deliberately working on my skills. I've been watching my daughter Imogen. 
She has a planner where she blocks out time for all her important things. She's working hard and achieving a lot. She wrote four draft NaNoWriMo novels during November, and that gives her a feeling of joy as well as satisfaction. Imogen's way of working led my thoughts to unschooling and planning. We never mention planning when we're talking about unschooling, do we? Perhaps the two words don't seem to go together. Even now, I hesitate to link them. Maybe everyone will think I'm suggesting that we all structure our days and push our kids to do certain things that we consider important. But that's not what I mean. The kind of things that I'm suggesting we plan are those that our kids want to do, but without some forethought, they won't end up doing. For example, our kids might want us to read books to them, go on outings, do crafts that need organising. Perhaps they want to do other things that need our help. Should we think ahead and block out time to get everything done? My family used to use our meal times as markers in our days. There was a block of time before breakfast, another leading up to morning tea, one before lunch, and another that led to afternoon tea. We'd run along the bush tracks together during the before breakfast time, do the chores and pray, and read books aloud before morning tea. The rest of the day could vary, but usually I had a free block of time between afternoon tea and dinner. This was when I'd blog and write. At the beginning of each week, we'd make a few plans about such things as music lessons, outings and appointments. I'd block them out in our planner or do that mentally. Somehow, I'm able to keep things in my head or write them on a calendar so they'd get done. And every morning after we'd completed the chores, I'd gather with my kids and we'd talk about the day ahead. We'd discuss the routine things such as what we were going to cook for dinner and any extra chores and errands that we needed to do. But I'd also say, what are you going to do today? Is there anything special I can do for anyone? Does anyone need my help? Of course, we all have times when we need to go with the flow, such as periods of illness, the baby seasons of life, and when we're dealing with crises. But ordinarily, it's good to think carefully about how we're spending our time so that we're free to do what's important to us. Perhaps we should direct our lives instead of letting them direct us. How do our kids learn to direct their lives so they accomplish their goals? Maybe they're already good at doing this. Kids are curious people who want to learn. They're capable of concentrating while diving deep into whatever interests them. They immerse themselves into their games, books, research and other activities. They have things they want to do and they get on and do them. Unless we distract them. 
School bells and structured lesson plans cut a child's life into pieces, which must be very frustrating when they're working deeply. And it can be so easy to undervalue our kids' activities and attempt to divert them away from them. Similarly, we might not recognize that rest and thinking times are important. We might want to say, stop wasting your time and go do something more productive. We could want to direct our kids instead of allowing them to work out for themselves what's the best way to spend their time. Perhaps we have trouble believing our kids can direct their lives because we, the parents, often get distracted by whatever is happening around us. We let life take us where it will. To pass on the true meaning of freedom to our kids, do we need to think carefully about the purpose of our days and take control? Is our example important? Saying all of this, we should always retain the freedom to let go of our loose plans because sometimes unexpected things happen that are far more important than the work that we intended to do. I'd rather remain at the kitchen table long after lunch is over listening to a daughter instead of writing a planned blog post. Even though we're big Shakespeare fans, We'd all prefer to postpone watching a play together if the sun suddenly reappears and shouts, it's a picnic kind of day. So what do you think? Even though we're unschooling, should we think about how we're spending our time? Is it okay to make plans? Are they just a normal part of life? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I guess a big point is that mostly we want to plan our kids' lives, plan what they do, and it's different when our kids are allowed to plan and direct their own lives. Planning isn't bad, and our kids will learn to do that as long as we don't keep telling them what to do, distracting them from the things that are important to them. And I guess that's another good point, isn't it? We sometimes don't value what our kids are interested in. We want to take over. But yes, kids are quite capable of diving deeply into the things that are relevant to them. I think I said something there also about there are days when we need to go with the flow. There are big times when when we need to do this, such as when we have little babies in the family or when somebody is ill. But also there are days when we need to rest. Rest is a valid thing to do. We don't have to keep saying, have we done enough today? Have we done enough this week before we respond to our inner needs, before we allow ourselves and our kids to rest? Because if we feel that we need to rest, that is what we need to do. Uh, Yeah, 
Anyway, so I got on to talking there about wasting time. We could judge our kids' activities as wasting time, but we could also judge their restful periods as a waste of time. What are you doing? You're wasting time. You aren't doing anything that looks to me to be productive. So I have another story here called Waste Some Time. It sort of rounds out the picture, I think. Without it, it might look like unschooling is all about planning and making each day productive. But as I just said, some days are slower days and that's okay. Now, I published this story in my book, The Unschooled Challenge, and there is a challenge to go with it. Uh, I will just read it out, I think, and then if, if there's anything to comment on, I can do that afterwards. Waste some time. Of course, we don't have to be busy and obviously productive every minute of the day. Sometimes what looks like wasting time isn't wasting time at all. It's exactly what we and our kids need to do. When I was a child, I always felt I should be doing something worthwhile. I couldn't just sit and dream, watch TV, or read a book for hours on end. I had to be productive and not waste time. Often I heard, isn't there something better you could be doing? As an adult, I've discovered that wasting time is valuable. We learn a lot by doing such things as watching movies, playing video games, chatting over coffee, and reading comic books and magazines, don't we? But what about those times when we're not even watching a movie, when we're not doing much at all? Are we wasting time? Or are these times very important? We may need a quiet period after a busy one. When we're not doing much on the outside, could lots of processing be happening within us? Could ideas and thoughts be forming, dreams appearing, and connections developing? Or maybe there are times when our brains and bodies just need a rest. Could learning not happen as uniformly as school suggests? Our brains might not be designed for 10 weeks of full days of intense work before we get a break. Maybe learning ebbs and flows in a natural rhythm independent of the calendar as we absorb, process and rest. What about our relationships? Could wasting time with our kids be precisely what they need? How about those times when we linger over lunch because we're enjoying the conversation? Sit and listen to our kids who want to share their ideas, stories and dreams. Stop at the park, swing on the swings and giggle with delight together instead of rushing straight home. Do we need to slow down, soak in the moment and enjoy instead of trying to cram as much seemingly productive work into our days. We won't always be able to sit and chat and listen to our children, giving them what they need 
so that they know without a doubt that they're uniquely valuable people who are very loved. Time with our kids is limited, isn't it? If we don't waste time with our kids while we can, we won't be able to return and reclaim the opportunity later. When our children have left home, we don't want to look back and wonder, did we do enough? Did we spend enough time with our kids loving and enjoying and sharing the most important things in life? Yes, we ask that question a lot, don't we? Are we doing enough? I got interrupted there. The dog started barking because the postman was at the door. And now I've got a barking dog in the backyard. And I'm a bit breathless because I had to run for the door. And I have forgotten where I was up to. I think I was talking about um, that question. Are we doing enough? And we usually think about that in terms of academic work. Uh, Are our kids accumulating enough facts and skills? Are they learning enough maths? Are they reading enough? Are they writing enough? All those kinds of things. And we don't tend to think of, uh, are we doing enough in terms of relationships? Are we spending enough time listening to our kids, talking with them, listening to their dreams? All that kind of thing. The things that we usually say, hey, we better get on and do some work instead of sitting here at the table uh, drinking coffee or, or whatever. And we hurry along not realizing that the sitting at the table bit, that is what our kids need more than anything else. There's that love, that time, the time spent with our kids, it really does give them Uh, a foundation of love, which, yes, that's the basis of everything. If you have all the facts and knowledge without that foundation of love, our kids will be missing out. And that, talking about time, and I said we can't go back and reclaim that time with our kids. Our kids grow up. They leave home And yes, sometimes we can get together with them for for coffee, but we can't have those long, lazy days wasting time with them, just focusing our attention on the really important things of life, to show our kids that they are more important than the facts and the knowledge, the, 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 the chores, Oh, the running around doing the errands, whatever it is that we want to do, our kids are more important than that. Now I challenge you to waste some time with your kids. You could linger around the kitchen table sipping tea or milkshakes. You could stay up late munching popcorn and enjoying a movie together. How about snuggling in bed together on a cold day instead of rushing to get on with the day's work? Also, allow your kids to waste time in their own way. They might want to chat, think, dream, rest or play. Will you slow down and notice the delights surrounding you? Will you soak up the joy of spending time with your kids? Will you trust that what your kids want to do is what they need right now.
Will you waste some time today? It can be hard watching kids resting, can't it? Wasting time in inverted commas, of course. I think that unschooling parents or parents in general are most happy when kids are diving deeply into a topic, when they are obviously productive. And the wasting time periods, the restful periods, they can be a bit of a worry. We wonder, will our kids ever be interested in anything ever again? But of course they are. After a short period of rest, kids usually either return to an interest or they find something else that captures their attention and they're off again. Yes, I don't think we need to worry. Now it's time for my Thomas story. I think it's rather appropriate, not only because it is Thomas's birthday and anniversary week, but because of the time factor. We don't always know how long we will have with each child. Yes, we need to live life intentionally, love our kids now while we've got them, do all the things that we want to do with our kids right now because we might not have much time and I didn't have much time with Thomas. I only had a day with him. So this is Thomas's birthday story for this year. It is called Letting Go of Another of Thomas's Places. It's not a new story. I wrote it, I think, in 2014, but I don't think I've shared it on this podcast before. She was getting to be an old lady. You see, she was 26 years old. She did her best and was quite reliable, but she tended to huff and puff every time she came to a hill. And she was hot, uncomfortably hot, on a sunny summer's day. One day I said to my husband, Andy, if we had a vehicle that wasn't quite so ancient, we might be inclined to travel further afield. And if it was air-conditioned, we could go places even in summer. So one Saturday afternoon, we travelled up to Sydney to have a look around a few second-hand car yards. Before too long, we'd found the perfect vehicle. Andy said, let's go home and think about it. But I replied, let's just buy it. He likes to think about things for a while. I like to be decisive. The girls were so excited when they heard we were getting a new car. It's got cup holders and air conditioning. We'll be able to go more places, even when the weather is hot. Will we be able to go to the beach, please? When will Dad pick up the new car? On Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday arrived. As the girls and I walked up the driveway on our way to the bush tracks for our early morning run, I said, take a last look at the van. It won't be here when we get home. We won't see it again. All of a sudden we felt rather sad. 
What would happen to our van? Would anyone want such an old vehicle? Or would it end up at the wreckers' scrapyard? It was a great van, wasn't it, I said. Yes, it took us many places. We had a lot of fun in it. It hardly ever broke down, even though it was old. We stood lost in thought for a moment. No one was smiling. Then I said, when Dad gets home this evening, he'll be driving the new car. We all smiled. Stand by the van and I'll take one last photo, I said, holding up my iPod camera. So the girls lined up and smiled and I clicked a few times. Some memories captured forever. We bought that van a few days before our son Thomas was born. We didn't really need a new vehicle. There were seven of us, and our vehicle had seven seats. Even with a new baby soon to be born, we wouldn't need an extra seat, because no one expected Thomas to live after birth. But I insisted we buy a new car anyway. Why? Despite the doctor telling me we had to accept the fact that Thomas would die, I guess I couldn't let go of hope. We might have buckled him into a baby seat and taken him home. God could have worked a miracle. I needed hope to survive, so we bought a bigger vehicle with one extra seat. Thomas's seat, just in case. And Thomas did travel in that van. For a whole week and a half, we occupied the driver's seat together. Thomas tucked up safely under my heart. But we never buckled him into a baby carrier. He never sat on his very own seat. Thomas was born. He lived a day. Several days before we buried our baby, we visited him at our local funeral home. We held him one last time and kissed him goodbye. And for months afterwards, whenever I drove past that funeral home, I couldn't help thinking, Thomas was once in that building. I imagined him as we'd last seen him, dressed in his frothy cream baptismal gown. I remembered how he'd felt, his legs escaping my arms like a rag doll's. Then one day, when my eyes turned automatically towards the funeral home as I drove past, I got a shock. The funeral home was no longer there. It had moved to new premises further down the road. A science research centre now occupied the building. I was rather distraught. How could someone have done such a thing? Didn't they know that this was one of Thomas's places? The room where we'd last held him was no longer the same. It now had another function. What was standing on the spot where Thomas's coffin had stood? A desk? A printer? A piece of scientific equipment? Another one of Thomas's places disappeared on the day we traded our old van for the newer vehicle. On that Tuesday morning, as we walked towards the bush tracks, I thought about how I would never again think as I drove along. Thomas once travelled in this van with us.
Andy came home that evening with a shiny silver seven-seater car. The girls jumped up and down, their faces alight with delight. They climbed in and out of the vehicle. They tried out the cup holders. They buckled up their seat belts quickly when Andy offered to take them for a ride. So much excitement over a car. Our first big outing in our new car was to the beach, just as the kids had hoped. I am sure we smiled the whole way there as Andy drove effortlessly down the steep, windy road towards the coast. And despite it being a very hot day, we remained beautifully cool, an air-conditioned breeze blowing in our faces. The girls spent a wonderful afternoon riding the waves and building a sand mermaid. I just sat on the sand and drank in their happiness. So another of Thomas's places has gone. Something else associated with our baby has disappeared. I could be very sad about this, but I'm not. Sometimes we have to let go of the old so we can receive the new. New adventures and new joys lie ahead of us. Maybe I could arrange another beach holiday for next spring, I say. It's been a few years since we last went away for a proper holiday. Perhaps we could travel all the way up the coast to Smith's Lake again. It would be a very easy journey in the new car. Oh, yes, the girls are bouncing up and down. They remember the magical beach house across from the garden sand where we stayed last time. A new car means new joys and new memories, but we will never forget the old. Thomas's places can disappear, but no one can take away our son. You see, he lives on in our memories. He will always be part of us. Yes, maybe it's okay to let go. Life is about letting go, isn't it? As our kids grow, we have to let go of certain stages of their lives, let go of, of babyhood, let go of the primary years, let, let go of the teenage years, and then they become adults, and we let go of childhood altogether. And we can feel very sad about this, thinking about all the delights we will, we will miss. But with every stage of life, there are delights. And if we can let go of the old, we're ready to embrace the new. That new car with the cup holders and the air conditioning and the seven seats, that car is now my car. And all my kids now have their own cars. They've all got their driver's licenses. They have all bought themselves their own vehicles. And so I have been left with the seven-seater as my car. I drive to and from town, yes, with all those empty seats around me. 
It's getting old, that car now. It is not quite as exciting to drive it as it was a few years ago. And sometimes I do dream of downsizing and getting a newer, zippier car. Yes, a car that's easier to park. Uh, A car that's mine because that was the family vehicle. But there are a lot of memories associated with that car. And yes, it's good, I suppose, for taking the dogs places. Yes, they need their own seats. So sometimes I travel with a daughter and two dogs and we still go on adventures together. So that's my podcast for this week. I'm coming to the end of episode 201. If you would like to read all those stories for yourselves and also maybe dip into my blog archive, please hop over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. The show notes for this week's episode will be in the blog post, Do Unschoolers Drift Aimlessly Through Each Day? I will add some links so you can find that post and all those stories easily. If you haven't already seen my books, please hop over to Amazon and take a look. My books are Curious Unschoolers, Radical Unschool Love, and The Unschool Challenge. And that last book, that's where the Wasting Time Challenge, the one I read to you today, that's where that challenge comes from. The book has 76 challenges and lots of stories. Yes, I've illustrated all the challenges with a story. So until next time, live a radical life of unconditional love.